Father, thank you that truly everything within us is going to give you praise. Our, our whole being wants to say to you, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. Now, God, as we go into your word for these next few moments, let your word begin to challenge our hearts, especially during this time and season that we're facing as a country, as a nation. Would you help us, Lord God, as we begin to navigate through some difficult times? And I ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Charles Spurgeon is considered, they call him the prince of preachers, 19th century Baptist preacher in London, England, and was considered to be the Bible preacher. Preachers today still read his sermons um, as he begins to speak uh, not only the word of God, but, but continually through the word of God, so many different passages he would open up. Spurgeon did something that he has never done before. And no one has ever seen it. In fact, they gasped when he came to the pulpit, even without a Bible, never opened it up and just sat there. And people couldn't believe because Spurgeon always had a Bible, always preached with the Bible. And then he started to speak to his congregation and said that some people have found fault with him, that he is too old fashioned, that he is always quoting the Bible but not enough is he saying about science and all the experts in all the different sciences. And then Spurgeon stopped and he began to speak to the audience with no Bible in his hand. And he said, well, let me tell you what we have here today. We have a mom and a mother here in this place who just lost her son to a tragic accident. And he said, this was a fine young man and then asked the question, he said, let's turn to science and impose some questions and see if science has answers for this widow, for this, for this woman who just lost her son in a tragedy. And so Spurgeon started to impose questions and said, science, will she see him again? Will, will she be in eternity? Will he be in eternity? He says, science have used anything to say to this science um will he be in heaven anything science seems you're quiet science is there even life beyond the grave is there life that people can hope for beyond death this woman is anxious and needs to know something and then Spurgeon began to just with, with a with a with a bold voice said what nothing science you have nothing to say, nothing to say to this woman, no comforting words to this grieving mother. And then Spurgeon at that point picked up his Bible and said this, then I will turn to this book that has something to say beyond this time. I will turn to the book that will speak to the grieving woman, that will speak to her situation. And then Spurgeon opened up his Bible and turned to John chapter 11 and read these words from the story of the raising up of Lazarus. As he speaks to a grieving sister, he said, it says this in verse 23, Spurgeon rang it out. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then shut the Bible. I am telling you, my heart began to be challenged. My heart, because what, what we're learning is this. 
Every expert, every politician, every government official, every scientist, every psychologist, they all have limits. They can just take you so far, but they can't, they can't be limitless. There's, there's a limit to what they know. That when, I, when it comes to the big questions of life, they may be able to tell you what about something, but never the why. They can tell you what exists, but can never tell you here's the power to overcome or the power to do the right thing because there's limitations to what they have. And this is where God begins to step in. Science has limits, and that's why we turn to a limitless God when we face times that, that men have no more answers for us, that men don't even know what to say anymore. We turn to him who is the answer. And who has the answer? We turn to the word of God that speaks when science is silenced because it doesn't know it's reached its, reached its capacity. Because this is where, through his word and through God himself, who gives us the answers we're longing for. I was reading to, to, to challenge when our sciences and scientists think there are no limits. I love what Werner Heisenberg said, one of the Nobel Prize winner in physics, he said this, this Christian Nobel Prize winner, he said, the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of every glass, God is waiting for you. Think about that. At the bottom of every glass, God is waiting. If you just stay with it, there's always God at the very end of this. He was telling us, and really speaking to us that there is something in us and something in all of us, in our hearts, that the Bible calls eternity. That there's something that speaks to life beyond this, that speaks to says, this is not all that there is. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, there is a little phrase with huge, with huge ramifications. And it says this, God, he, God, has set eternity in their hearts, meaning every man, every woman. Every, every person on planet earth, God has put eternity in our hearts. That he was explaining to us that we are creatures of time, but yet there's something even more beyond us. Creatures of time, it's in our hands, it's in our faces, our hair, our legs, our eyes. Stuff starts breaking down, we get gray, we get slow, we get achy because we're creatures of time. Yet all the while, we're told by Solomon in Ecclesiastes, there is eternity inside of every one of these achy bones. And inside of all of us that are getting older and older, there is eternity deep inside of our hearts. So while we live in this body, there's something deeper in us that science can't answer, but God can, which is the eternity inside of us. I was reading the story of our sixth president, John Quincy Adams, and it was his 80th birthday, and he was walking slowly down the streets of Boston. And a friend asked him this question, how is John Quincy Adams doing today? And I love what the former president said. Listen to these words. He said, thank you. John Quincy Adams is all well, sir. In fact, quite well. And I thank you. But the house in which he lives in at present is becoming dilapidated. It's tottering upon the foundations. Time and the seasons have nearly destroyed it. Its roof is pretty well worn out. Its walls are shattered and it trembles with every wind. The old tenant is becoming almost 
uninhabitable, and I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it soon. But he himself, he's doing quite well. He's doing really well, sir. Did you see what John Quincy Adams just did? John Quincy Adams was discussing time, his body, but also talking about eternity of where he's going and what's beyond. See, our greatest battle in, 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 is the warfare between eternity in our hearts and time that is in our bodies. That's, th th that is why the more you search for happiness here in time, and not in what's beyond here, you'll always run into a dead end. That's why, get this, the battle is whether you choose time or eternity. And when we're done today, when we get to the very end in the next few moments, I want you to choose eternity. See, I want to take you today into eternity. In fact, not just into eternity, but let me just say this to you. I want to take you to the most racially diverse place in the universe. I want to take you into eternity. My job is to get you to this place. While our country is fighting for justice and while our country is fighting for equality and are fighting for um, diversity in all aspects of life, there is one fight that as we're fighting this way and doing our best, and it seems that sometimes it's a slow fight and wondering, will we ever get to the other side of this? I want to tell you, there is another fight that's going on to stop you from getting to the most racial, to, to, to the most diverse place in the entire universe. It's in the future. It's, it, it, there, there's, a, there's, there's a king there. In fact, there's a throne there. It's heaven itself, and it's in Revelation chapter 7. In fact, it, it's... It's, I want you to see how they got to the most diverse place and, and how they got there, why they got there is so important for us today. And in fact, you can only get there when you get to the bottom of that glass like we were just describing, like that Nobel Peace Prize was describing to you. This has to become our first fight. This has to become our first priority. That before we do anything else, we need to make sure that when life is over, when time is done, our eternity is going to be in the most racially diverse place in the entire universe. In fact, what I want to do is, listen, I want to give you a glimpse of glory today. I want to give you a glimpse of beyond, of eternity. In fact, it's found in Revelation 7, 9 through 17. And I want to read to you just a couple of verses here and begin to get us ready to make sure that we are going to that place where God wants to bring us. Listen to it. It's Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. John says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count. Here it is. Every, from every nation, all tribes, all people and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white, and palm branches were in their hands. Did you see that? A multitude. That's us. That's the people of God. That's the ones that chose eternity. A relationship with God. Didn't choose religion. Didn't choose church. They chose a relationship with God. In fact, it says every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues. Talk about diversity. There's no black lines and white lines, Indian lines, Hispanic. Everyone is there. All people. One of the most incredible things that, that you see here at Times Square Church when you walk in the doors 
you will see over a hundred different nationalities and countries represented here. And that's only half the countries of the world. We're not even, we're, we're starting to look like heaven, but we're not even there yet. And that's why the biggest fight is, is getting people to this most diverse place that will ever exist, which is the throne of God. That's the fight because we're fighting against forces unseen. We're fighting against an enemy that wants to keep you from going there. We're fighting with, with sciences that sometimes will, will begin to go beyond their limits where they can't answer those questions, but God can answer them. In fact, it goes on to say, listen to these words in Revelation chapter 7 as we get this glimpse. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, listen to these words, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their face before the throne and worship God and listen to what they said. They said these words. They said, amen and blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. See, when we get there, there is a praise service that is already happening. When you get there, the angels and the elders, heaven is already, even as we speak right now, heaven has been worshiping. Our worship online, sometimes they tell you that people don't like to worship more than three or four songs because they don't like to do it through a computer. Can I tell you that there's been a worship service going on for eternity? That they have been singing over and over again. Um, the angels, they've been singing salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They've been crying out to him day and night, saying blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor. They've been worshiping. And here's what's amazing. As you look through the, the book of Revelation, Revelation 7, this chapter, is praise at its apex, which we're about to join. Here's what's incredible. Because when you start at Revelation chapter 1 and start to move up to this chapter that we're talking about, I see four movements of praise in this book. And, and, and I'll tell you, I want to show you what I mean. Starting in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, it gives you the first movement. In Revelation 1, 6, I, I call it two notes of praise. John hears heaven going, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's those two words, glory and dominion forever and ever. Watch it now, because praise is about to mount up here in the book of Revelation. And then all of a sudden, it goes to Revelation 4.11, and it has three notes of praise in Revelation 4.11. It says, worthy are you, Lord, listen to it now, to receive glory, honor, and power. It goes from two notes in Revelation 1.6 to 4.11, and it says glory, honor, and power. But praise is mounting in heaven because something is about to explode in Revelation 7. But before it gets there, then it goes to four notes of praise. In Revelation 5.13, it says, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here it is, four notes. Be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Are you watching, are you watching the movement from two notes in one to, to three notes in four to four notes in five? And then all of a sudden, I don't want you to miss this. Then when you get to Revelation chapter 7, Verse 11 and 12, praise reaches its apex. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Here it is, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Hallelujah. Think about that. 
It just kept rising and rising and rising. And when we get a glimpse of glory, we have people from every tongue, every tribe singing those seven notes of praise to the Lamb of God at that point. That's the place we want to be. That's the place we want to be. I know we're fighting for it here in time, but the fight that we want to make sure is that we're going to be with him in eternity with every kindred, every tongue, every tribe there. And then here's what's amazing. Don't miss this now. Heaven stops at the crescendo. Heaven stops right in the middle of worship and watch this. And somebody says, hey, who are these people here and where did they come from? Uh, what, what? Because heaven has only known the angels, the, the multitude of angels that have been worshiping. And all of a sudden, heaven stops the crescendo of worship and goes, who are these people that are worshiping with us? L- listen to it. It's, it's, it's in Revelation chapter 7, verse, verse 13. It says this, then one of the elders answered and saying to me, those who are clothed in white robes, they said, who are these and where have they come from? These people that just showed up, we've, we've been worshiping you from the beginning of time, from the moment we've been created. We've been worshiping God the Father. And then all of a sudden, who are these new folks that have showed up that are saying salvation belongs to the Lord? In, in a sense, they're going, hey, who, who are these people that just showed up here from the Bronx? Who are these people from Staten Island, from Queens? Hey, who, who's worshiping over there from Brooklyn and Manhattan? Who are these from Nigeria? Who are these from like Guyana and the Ukraine? Who are these Italians and these Mexicans? Where did these people come from? Why, what, wh- who are these people in white clothing? And then the answer comes in verse 14. Listen to Revelation 7:14. He begins to speak and says these words. I said to him, my Lord, you know. He said to me, these are the ones who have come out of the tribulation. They have washed their robes, look at this, and made them white in the blood of the lamb. John seems to say, you want to know how we got to this diverse moment? You know how we got to the most racially diverse moment, place in the entire universe? It all came under the blood of the lamb. They these robes that are washed in white through the blood of the lamb, this is how it starts. This is the fight to, for people to try to do it with time and forget it has to be done through eternity. And with this glimpse of glory, I want to just give you something today, just a few thoughts from this chapter that I want you to hunger for eternity today. I want, in fact, I want to give you, as we take a glimpse of glory, I want to give you what I call three discoveries that I see in this chapter, three discoveries in glory in this glimpse, three discoveries. You're going to see an invitation you never deserved, a gratitude you don't even have enough of words to express, and a life like you've never imagined. Think of this for a second. An invitation you've never deserved, a gratitude you don't even have enough of words to express, and a life you've never even imagined. That every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every country will be there and realize we are all there because of one person got us there. This is the, the ground becomes even. Let me, let me walk you through this for just a few moments because I don't know if we have any idea what we were about to experience when we step from time into eternity. You are going to realize with me that number one, it's an invitation we never deserved. That's what verse 14 says. They have washed their robes 
and they're white in the blood of the lamb. I was reading a, a church in an article about a church that was on the verge of breaking up. Let me tell you what the story was. This church has been founded and grew under the leadership of, of a senior pastor that was getting older and was about to turn the church over to his son. And it wasn't because they didn't trust the son to step into leadership. It was because of who the son was going to marry. Years earlier in that church, a young lady walked through those doors, had a life of prostitution, addiction, selling drugs, and God miraculously changed her life. God did something so powerful inside of this young lady. She was instantly delivered, born again, changed. She made a decision for eternity and not time. And at that moment, she has never been the same again, serving in the church. God filled her with the Holy Spirit, an incredible work God was doing. And over years of being in that church, the pastor's son fell in love with this young lady and they were about to be married, but the church wanted nothing to do with this, that their new senior pastor or their, the, 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 the new, the son of the senior pastor that would become the pastor one day would not be married or associated with someone that came out of this kind of lifestyle. It was so divisive that the church called even a business meeting to discuss this, that if this boy, half the church said if this boy would marry that woman, it is a blot. It is a, um, uh, it is something that they feel like would be, would, would be a mark against the church that are, their pastor married someone from this kind of life. And I read about the minutes in the meeting, and I want to read them to you because as the church met, about this woman's past, the son finally stood up and said these words. He said, my fiance's past, my fiance's past is not is what on trial is here. But what is on trial is you are questioning the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash sins away. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. Does it wash away sin or doesn't? And at that moment, the whole church started to realize that they have grieved the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, he began to get up and said, if the blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse everyone completely, then it doesn't cleanse any of us. And then he said these, were, these words, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There came repentance and joy because they knew it wasn't this woman on trial, but they put the blood of Jesus on trial. And can I just tell you, it is that blood that can cleanse us Whitest. It is that blood that puts all nations, all tongues, all tribes at the same place. It is the blood of Jesus that creates the most diverse place in the entire universe. See, one of my dear friends, Dr. R.T. Kendall, said it like this. Christianity is the only religion in the world that promises we get to heaven as a result of what God does for us, not what we do for God. Hallelujah. That's the blood of Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for us. See, I want you to understand how important that is. It's what God has done for us. It's what God, it's the blood of Jesus that brings all of these nations together. Let me say something to you that I want you to listen real closely. If God is your father and Jesus is your savior, listen, then I am your brother. It doesn't matter what race, nationality, or ethnicity. If God is our Father and Jesus is our Savior, then we are brothers in Christ. 
We're not brothers based on our blood, our DNA. We are brothers and sisters based on his blood. That's what makes this. That's what makes it the most racially diverse place in the entire universe. See, Christianity is the only identity that is received and not achieved. This is what makes this absolutely amazing. We don't, we don't achieve it by our good works. It is received from God. It's not based on performance and failures. It's based on the blood of Jesus. See, every one of us in time, we're always battling to make sure we choose eternity. Keep this in mind. God, from the very beginning, said there are two ways whereby God will punish sin. Either the fires of hell or the blood of Jesus. And it's not a question of whether your sin will be punished, but it's a question of how our sins will be punished. And I have to tell you, God's justice was satisfied, eternally satisfied, by what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And I want to tell you today, let his blood, let his blood cleanse us from our sin. Let his blood do the work. That's why they were at the throne. That's why it was a, as they were thinking about it, it was an invitation that they have received that they didn't deserve. It was Jesus's death. It was Jesus on the cross that gave them the invitation. They didn't get there on their own merits. They didn't get there on their own works. They didn't get there on their own successes. They got there because Jesus died for our sin. Jesus died for your sin and for my sin. And I receive that today. I receive all that he has done for me. It's an invitation we never even deserve. But the second thing I see there, this one makes me so excited. Listen to this. Because this is, this is really important because when we understand it was the blood of Jesus, this is, this is the problem sometimes faced. I was, reading, I was reading recently of an article where a city in Massachusetts, a library in Peabody, Massachusetts, put out an all-points bulletin and, and on, on, on their social media to all the people around them and saying, when you're paying for copies to be made here and you're paying for, late, for fines of late and late fees, this is what they said. They said, you can't use Chuck E. Cheese money. Well, where, where did that come from? Well, what's crazy is, is right next to, right next to the library is a Chuck E. Cheese, this, this children's um, little mini indoor amusement park, and you eat pizza there. And people were taking the tokens that were working in the machines over there and thought, let me bring that currency over to the library and pay off things. If it works in the machine, if it works with these people, it must work for those people. And what they thought was they can transfer, um, that, that, the, that currency transfers over to the other place. Well, of course it doesn't. Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck e. Cheese tokens for rides doesn't translate for paying what you need to pay at a library for our own late fees. Now listen to me close. Because some of you think you have the right currency to get you into heaven. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I've been baptized. I'm, I'm religious. Uh, my parents have, have been in church. Let, listen to me close. That, that's the wrong currency. That's Chuck E. Cheese. Man. That's Chuck E. Cheese currency. You need heaven's currency. You don't get to heaven by using what people have said works down here. The only thing that works up there, the only invitation that comes is through, here's the currency, the blood of Jesus. That's the currency. That's what makes it the most, the, 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 a place, the most diverse place in the entire universe, the blood of Jesus. Let me give you a second thing. It's a gratitude there. 
that you never have enough words to express. Um, I remember somebody giving tickets to go to Yankee Stadium uh, to Cindy and I some years ago and said, hey, we want to bless you. We, 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 we want to give you tickets to go to a baseball game. And um, we, we've always, we've never had good fortune with that. When anyone ever gave us free tickets, it, we, we, had, we always knew it would be nosebleed section, a nosebleed section. It just never worked on our behalf. And um, I remember we got to the ballpark in the Bronx and we thought we were going up all the way to the bleachers. And I remember the ushers going, you know, follow me. And they kept bringing us closer and closer and closer and closer to the field until we were right there, literally behind home plate, had no idea that this gift would bring us even that close. I was, Cindy and I were just absolutely amazed. It was, we, we, we remember it even to this day. I want to tell you something to get you excited. You may arrive later in heaven. I don't care how old you are, but you will not believe where God is going to seat you when you get to this place, when you get to heaven. Verse 9 and 15 literally is the seating chart. Let me read to you 715 of Revelation. He says, for this reason, here it is, they are before the throne of God. This is box seats. It says, while, while all these angels and all these are around, it says, you are right before the throne. And you get to be right there with the worship service. It is like God going, I'm going to move you right down there, right in the center. And what's crazy is God goes, I'm also going to give you something to worship with. This is what gets a little crazy here. He tells them, he says, when you get there, you're going to have an item to worship with. And he, and he talks about in Revelation, a palm branch. Now this, a Jew at this time would understand what that is. See, the palm branch, the Jews used to take the palm branches at the Feast of Tabernacles or in gathering. And what they used to do was during those celebrations, they would wave those branches and they would basically say this, at the community celebration, they would start on one side and go over. And what they were saying was, the work is over, the sowing is done, it's time to rest after the planting and the harvest. And they would go back and forth, almost like it was a process to get them there. Like some have said, that we, they, they would go back and forth, saying it started here, but we thank God that, that as we worked the fields and we saw everything take place, it came down and we made it through. This is, this is an incredible picture for us. Because not only does the blood of Jesus get us there, it's the invitation. But what he was saying was, it was something interesting. He's saying those that are there because of the blood of Jesus, right before the throne, have this palm branch. Not the angels, mind you. Not the elders have a palm branch. But God's people, those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, those that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that have trusted the blood of Jesus to get them to heaven for forgiveness. What they were saying was what was interesting. The angels didn't need it because the angels never had a battle. They didn't have to fight through something. They didn't have to resist temptation. They didn't have to stand firm with the armor of God. 
They didn't have to weep in prayer. They didn't, they don't know. The angels don't know what it is to pray through something until a prodigal son comes home or, or somebody is, is diagnosed with cancer and you're, you're having to pray for healing and, and fight for them at the throne of God. And what he was saying was this, you get the palm branch because you know it's, it's been worth it. It goes back and forth. It's like, a, it's like you have this item to go, we were here, we fought, we stood firm, we prayed through, we resisted, we battled for God, and we finally made it, and it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, a, it's, it's what God does that, that you started to realize that the, came, the day came, there's no more resisting. There's no more battling cancer or fighting through lust or anger or envy. That, that you, there's no more, there's no more battle that's taking place. The palm branch says, we started, we fought, but we're here. We made it. I can't even express the gratitude. That's the place I want to be. I want to be, I want to be in that place for eternity. This is, this is where I'm thinking to myself, oh God, give me that robe that's been washed in the blood. Give me, give me my seat right before the throne and give me my palm, my palm branch. Because the angels didn't have to sing a song with a report of cancer. The angels never had to wrestle with, with, a, with, a, with a, an addiction to be set free. They never, had to, they never had to lift their hands with arthritis or a week that you've been battling hell. That's why I think God sees the songs on earth greater than the songs in heaven. And those folks in heaven whose robes have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Those who are sitting right at the throne of God and those who have those palm branches are going, we made it, it's by God. See, what that tells you is this, those white robes washed in the blood, it means it's through Jesus. And those palm branches means we've gotten through the battle. We made it, it's worth it. Don't choose time, choose eternity, eternity. No, no one tells sad stories there in heaven. They simply cry salvation to God. No one has to tell their sad story. They're going, God, you brought us here. You brought us. It's been worth it. And I thank you for it. Because then you realize if there was no pain, then there would be no palm. And if there was no cross, then there'd be no crown. And the apostle Paul tells you how to fight even those battles here. When you're in that process, when you're in that battle, the apostle Paul tells us how we fight through that. Listen to what he says in Romans 8.18, which makes which makes the process worth it. Listen to Romans 8.18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Think, think what he just said. He said, What I'm suffering right now in this present time, not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. Listen to me, beloved. When you're faced with a battle, when you're faced with something, you can look at those and say, Not worthy. You are not worthy given into. You are not worthy being addicted to. You are not worthy for me to be caught in this because what's ahead of me is even greater. In fact, one other translation says it like this, a paraphrase in Romans 8, 18. It says, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure here is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled with us. This is incredible. He says, it's an invitation that you didn't deserve. It's the blood of Jesus. It's a gratitude you can't even express because you start to realize, oh God, you brought me from beginning to end. At the moment you choose eternity, that palm branch starts and you're going, 
all, the, all that we've done, from the time I've read a Bible to prayer to getting to church to getting kids ready to getting here, it's been worth it when we get there. That's the glimpse of glory. That's the fight. The fight is to get you there, to get you to eternity. And then finally, let me close with this. You will experience a life like you've never imagined. Like you've never imagined. Listen to Revelation 7, 16 and 17. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore. Nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of water. And look at these words. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. When I was in Detroit for almost 30 years, I pastored a church that we bought a triple X movie theater that ran the movies till the day we bought it. And we turned it into a church and still there, so powerful in that community, being pastored by a great pastor right now. I remember when we had to go in and see, can we get into this place and, and start a church there? I remember when they turned off all the movies and we walked into this place and uh, thinking to myself, God, really right here in the midst of a, a, a pornographic movie theater on one side of us, a prostitution hotel on the other side, and you would want us to be right in the center of all this. And to turn a triple X theater into a church. In fact, I used to have people ask me all the time. They said, are you serious? You meet in a triple X movie theater for a church? And I tell them, I said, we do, but it's, and it's still triple X. And they go, what are you talking about? I said, we just have X alcoholics, X prostitutes, X junkies, all filled with the power of Jesus Christ. But to this day, there's one conversation that I'll never forget was with the theater prostitute. Her name was Kamuchi. That's what they called her on the street. Her real name was Diane. But everybody called her Kamuchi. She walked in one day and she asked me, she said, she used to call me Father Tim. She said, Father Tim, would you pray for me? And um, I said, sure, Kamuchi, I'll pray for you. And as I was getting ready to pray for her, she says, wait, 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 don't, please don't pray now. I don't have any money. I said, what are you talking about? She said, all the other churches and religions in this area charge me money before they would even pray for me. I said, are you serious? She says, I would give them $25. These are her words. I would give them $25 and then they would pray for me. And these ministers would give me then a three digit lottery number that I was to go back and bet for that night. Think, think how diabolical this is. I so this is what I did. I took Kamuchi and I brought her to Matthew chapter 7. And we started to read verses 20 and 21. And the Bible says, I said, look at this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of God. And we began to read this together. And all of a sudden, I watched her eyes get big. She said, that's how you do it. I said, what are you talking about? She said, the numbers on top of the page. I never knew what the numbers meant. She said, seven means chapter, 20 means the verse. Give me another one. Folks, this is in the United States. This is somebody who's never known what, the, what those numbers were on top of a Bible. The, the, the ones that we just take for granted. John 11 that we read, John 11, 23, had no idea. She says, give me another one. Then I gave to her. I said, okay, then let's go to Romans 
chapter 3, and then all of a sudden she read, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. She said, this is incredible. She said, give me another one. Then I gave her Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. She said, give me another one. Then I gave her Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if we believe in our heart um, and confess, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we would be saved. And she's looking at these verses and she goes, she stopped me and she goes, Father Tim, are you telling me? And this is what I was about to take her to Revelation chapter seven. She says, are you telling me that there is a place that I don't have to stand on the streets anymore? I said, there's a place like that. Are you telling me that when I die, I can go to a place that I don't have to weep anymore? I said, there's a place like that. And I took Kamuchi to Revelation chapter seven. I said, turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. And she read those words when it says that God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I remember that precious lady right there saying, then I want that. I, I want him in my life. I want that to be part of that day in eternity where he will wipe every tear from my eye. And Kamuchi gave her life to Jesus. She is right now in heaven, died of AIDS. But I guarantee you, there is, a, there is an ex, listen to me, folks. There is an ex-prostitute in heaven because of the blood of Jesus that is right there at the throne with a robe that has, been, that has been bought by the blood of Jesus. And I could see her with her palm branch just going back and forth saying, no matter what I've gone through, I made it. God brought me here. God did this. And I, look, and I remember telling you, you're about to experience a life that you never could imagine because there, that young lady who weighed less than 90 pounds when she was fighting with AIDS, that young lady, our God is wiping every tear from her eye. She doesn't, she doesn't cry anymore. I have to tell you, when I do get to heaven, I can't wait to see my father, my father who's passed away. I can't wait to see people that I love, but I can't wait to see that, that little girl that came in as a prostitute and left with a robe covered by the blood of Jesus. And God goes, you get a palm branch, you get front row seats, and I will wipe away every tear from your eye. We fight with, we're, we're fighting here in our country, in our cities, we're fighting with time. From, from pandemics all the way to racial in, uh, injustice that has happened from Minneapolis to what's taking place in all of our cities. And we're fighting with time. And I'm telling you, the fight that even we're dealing with right now is a fight for eternity. This is where God wants to come and, and bring us into eternity. That he wants us to begin to bring us to a place where every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everyone is represented there. And it's all done under the banner of Jesus Christ himself. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to choose eternity today? I love what the Christian writer C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you want to be wet, you have to get into the water. And if you want joy and peace and eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. And the one that has them is Jesus himself. He is eternal. He's the one that will get us there. I want you to choose eternity today. I want you to choose eternity today. Pastor Tim, how do I... How do I go to heaven? 
how do I get to that place? How, it, it's, it's, how, do, how do I begin to even start that journey? I, I don't even know what to do with this, this blood of Jesus. What do you mean by that? I want to be as clear as I can to you. Jesus said this. He said this in John 3, 5. He says, no man, no woman can enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen to me. This is Jesus. Unless they are born again. That born again word, that's not a, it's not a Times Square church word. It's not a Protestant word. It's not a Catholic word. It is a Jesus word. Jesus uses that word, born again. And the most important question anybody can ever ask you is this. Have you been born again? Pastor Tim, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've gone to church. I've tried to be a good person. Have you been born again? Don't use the wrong currency to try to get to heaven. Well, I've been baptized. I've been a good person. I go to the synagogue. I go to the mosque. That's, 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 that's currency for here. That currency doesn't work. They're there. They're there, Revelation says, because of the blood of Jesus. That's why they're there. Well, Pastor Tim, how, how, how do I start that? How do I, how do I begin to start that journey? How do I make that decision that I'm going to choose eternity? People dedicate their whole life to doing things right now in time. I want you to dedicate your life to doing things for eternity because some of you are listening to this. Let's go back to that very first verse, Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has put eternity in our hearts. Why is something speaking to you right now? Why is it something inside of you going, deal with eternity? There is life beyond this. Science doesn't have an answer to that. That's why on that day, Spurgeon held up his Bible and said, if science doesn't want to answer this this woman who lost her son, I'll let the word of God answer it. So the question is, is there life beyond this? Is there a heaven? Is there an eternity? Science, do you have an answer to that? Science has no answer to that. So I will turn to the word of God. Then Pastor Tim, how can I make a decision for eternity? We'll let you know every single week. It's as simple as ABC. We'll take those three letters to really speak to it and say, each one of those letters is a step towards saying, I want to choose eternity. I choose heaven. I choose to be born again. If Jesus said in John 3, 5, you must be born again, that I will not make optional what Jesus says is a must and a necessity. Then what is it, Pastor Tim? What, are these, what is this, this, this simplicity of it? It is A, admitting that we're a sinner, that every one of us is broken on the inside. We are all, starting with me, have a condition called sin. We were born that way. We were born with a condition of sin that we can't fix ourselves. We don't have the ability to change that inside of us. If it, would be, it would be almost ridiculous for Jesus to say, or God to say, um, in order to get to heaven, you got to do better. you got to do good. You gotta, it, it, it's impossible. Why would God have to send his own son if there's a condition called sin inside of me? Because I can't fix it. There's not a promise I can make, a program I can go to, or a priest or a pastor. I can't fix it. This church can't fix it. Only one person can fix it, this condition called sin, and it's God himself. And he says it's by believing, that's the B word, believing, that God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on that cross for us. My sin deserved death, but Jesus stepped in and said, I will be your sin bearer. I will die on the cross. That's where the blood of Jesus part comes in. The blood of Jesus is him taking the penalty. It's him dying the death we should have died 
living the life we didn't even have the power to live and giving us a reward we don't even deserve. This is, this is that part. It's not God going, do your best and see if you're really good, you can get to heaven. If your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, that's, that's not what happens at the throne of God. That's not the glimpse of glory. That's not the most diverse place in the universe. It's by the blood of Jesus. It's an invitation that I didn't deserve. It is what he has done for me and has done for you today. If I can get myself to heaven by being good, then God wouldn't have to send his own son. And finally, it's confessing. It's saying, Jesus, confessing him as Lord, Romans 10, 9, and 10. That verse that I read with Kamuchi that day, confessing him as Lord, that word means you're boss, you're in charge. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, not just simply to get you to church and to get you to wear a label of Protestant, Catholic, Jew, Muslim. He came not for a religion. He came for a relationship. Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago to get you in church on a Sunday. He came to get you to heaven. That's why even with this building closed, if it was all about a building, then we're in a lot of trouble. For these last 60 days, we're in a lot of trouble if it's about the building because you can't even sit in the seats. It's not about a building. It's not about a place. It's about a person and that person coming and living inside of our hearts today. I want you to choose eternity. I want you to be born again today. No man. No woman can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Those are Jesus's words. This is the Jesus that cannot lie. And that's what he tells us today. I want you to choose eternity. Pastor Tim, how would I do that? I want to pray a born again prayer with you. However you're listening, wherever you're listening right now, I want to pray a prayer with you. I want to ask God, you to ask God to say, Lord, I, I choose you. I choose eternity. I, I want a life, I want a life that, that I know is beyond time and goes into eternity. This body is going to break down. The older you get, it's going to start to break down. But when this life is over, I want to be in that place that we read about in Revelation 7. I want to be standing there saying, I'm here because of the blood of Jesus. I didn't deserve this invitation. I want to be there with a palm branch and a gratitude going from the beginning to the end. You got me there, God. For no matter how hard it's been, none of the sufferings of this compares to the glory and what we're experiencing in heaven. And thirdly, it's a life we've never imagined. He wipes away every tear in that moment. I want you to experience that. If that's you right now and say, Pastor Tim, I want to start that journey. I'm choosing eternity. I want to be born again. Here's what I want you to do wherever you're at. I don't care if you're in a car, a backyard, a kitchen. I don't care if you're by yourself. I want you to close your eyes right now, and I want you to pray this with me. These aren't magic words. These are words that just let them come from your heart. I'm just going to try to help form a prayer just to say, I want this. I choose eternity. I choose to be born again today. I make a decision today. Wherever you're at, Whisper these words. Say these words out loud with me. Go ahead. Come on. Close your eyes and say these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin. 
to be born again. Come on, say it with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. Hallelujah.